John 3, 16 and 17, verses we're so familiar with. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not die, but find everlasting life. For Jesus Christ was sent into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. His love. Today, we light the Advent candle calendar. This is not a calendar. The Advent candle of love. And truthfully, love is what it's all about. For him to come down, to give all that he gave, to be present with us in love. So today we light the candle of love. Would you pray with me this morning? Father God, thank you so much for all that you are. Lord, I'm thankful for just an opportunity for us to gather as family and just kind of come before you. And Lord, I just want to lift up everybody that's at home. Lord, sometimes this is a hard season because sickness seems rampant. But Lord, even though there are those that don't feel good, Lord, we, we still have great reason to praise. As I talked about in Sunday school this morning, for the wages of sin and death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. And so, Lord, we, we, we focus our minds on that this season. We focus on your love. We focus on all that you mean to us, Lord. I'm thankful for a place where, where we can come and we can bring our brokenness. We can bring our frustration. We can bring everything that, that doesn't add up. And we can just kind of lay it before your throne room and just ask that you be present. And today, Father God, I just ask that you would minister to us. Father God, I ask that you would be close to those who are mourning. I ask that you would comfort those who need comfort. I ask that you would challenge and encourage us to be your people today, Father God. And, and, and in that, Lord, we, we're going to open up the word of God. And it is your word. And so I ask that, Father God, that you would uh, speak in and through me, that you would not allow me to say what I want to say, Father God, that you would speak your word, that you would speak your truth, that you would guide and direct us this morning. We love you. We praise you. It is in your holy name that we pray. Amen. Amen. This morning we're continuing this Christmas series that we began last week called Make Believe. An increasing number of people are coming to believe that, you know what, Jesus is just kind of like Santa. Nothing more than a fun fairy tale to entertain our children. A relic from a bygone age that, that just isn't relevant anymore. And this series is all about refuting that. Like we, we don't celebrate fiction, we celebrate history. The birth of God in human flesh, a savior that came to change everything for us. The birth of Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, which means God with us. It's what this season is all about, hope. Hope for a better future coming through Jesus. Hope that through Jesus we, we are no longer bound to who we used to be. Hope that in and through Jesus that, that we can be different. Hope that real change is possible. 
And even though we believe that change is possible, we also understand that it doesn't always happen. And so this week I asked the question, why? What is it in our lives that prevents us from changing? What is it in our lives that prevents transformation? What are barriers to change? If you have your outline and you want to follow along, we're going to go through these fairly quickly. But number one is doubt. One of the barriers to change is our doubt. Believing the lie that change isn't possible, that a leopard cannot change its spots. Not just doubting yourself, but, but doubting God's ability to work in and through you. I want to read a scripture from Matthew And Jesus, coming into his hometown, he began teaching people in the synagogue. And they said, where does this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers? And then they asked, wait a second, isn't this the carpenter's son? Wait, isn't isn't his mom's name Mary? Aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters here with us? Where then did this man get these things? And at that point, they took offense to him. And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town, in his own home. And he did not do many miracles there. Why? Because of their lack of faith. Makes me wonder how much of our inability to change is due to doubt, to a lack of faith. The next is this, and it, it, this was in addition. So if you want to just write this one off to the side— Pride. As I was thinking about that, I also thought about pride and and this idea of of valuing independence, like thinking that we can do it on our own, that that I don't need anybody's help. Maybe it comes from this place where it's you're you're desperately wanting to prove yourself. We long for validation. Or maybe it's like, you know, these are my problems, and so it's my responsibility to fix it. The next is this, setbacks. And, and setbacks are, are just simply a reverse in momentum. We become disheartened when, when progress is overshadowed by difficulty. When we take one step forward, but it always seems to be followed by a couple steps back. Or when we become discouraged because we try to do what's right. We try to do God's way, but it only seems to get worse or more difficult. The next is this, our environment when we're living in a place that fights back against our desire to be different. This could be a people or a place that is a bad influence, like a gambler that's trying not to gamble, but he lives in Vegas. Like, that's that's not the place to be. Or a smoker who's trying to quit smoking, but he keeps hanging out with people who are smoking. It could also be a life circumstance that just makes it hard to move forward. Maybe a home or, or work environment that, that doesn't afford you the time and encouragement you need to change. It may not be negative or hostile, but, but you're either too suffocated or exhausted and all your effort simply just goes in getting through the day. Maybe for some of us it's, it's comfort complacent and, and, and happy with where you are. You've compared yourself to the rest of the world. You're like, hmm, I'm doing all right. You don't need to rock the boat because the status quo isn't so bad. This is the last and, and probably most difficult piece for us. And that is the belief, belief behavioral gap or intention action gap. This is where we have the desire to change, but we lack the follow-through. 
For whatever reason, we, we can't find it in ourselves to make the change that we want. Paul says in Romans 7, he, he, he eloquently puts it this way. I want to do what's right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyways. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing it, but sin living in me that does it. So this gap is created by sin. And as long as we live here on earth, because of the flesh and spirit are war within us, because we don't always, can't always make the change we desire. So how, how do we overcome this? How do we, how do we overcome these obstacles that we face? Romans 12, 2 says this, Paul writes, don't allow the world to mold you into its image. Instead, be transformed from the inside out by renewing your mind. As a result, you'll be able to discern what God's will and whatever he finds good and pleasing and complete. Paul lets us know of a really, really important truth here, and that is that you are either conforming or transforming You may not even notice it. It may not be fast enough to notice, but you are either slowly looking more like the world or you're looking more like Christ every day. The question is, how do I change that? How do I open myself up for transformation? How do we experience real change even in the face of these barriers? And that's where we get into the meat of what we're going to talk about today. And the first piece is this. We've got to be willing to step into the light. Be willing to step into the light. The older I get, I'm finding that more and more I have to wake up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom. And if you have young kids, you know that the journey to the bathroom in the dark can be rather sketchy. You never know what you're going to step on. You can't hardly see anything. And I don't know if this has happened to you, but have you ever made it to the bathroom and you turn the light on, you look in the mirror and you go, wow. Did someone mug me in my sleep? Now when I get to the bathroom, I've learned the lesson. I just don't turn the light on because I I just want to pretend that that trip never happened, right? The dark can be so comforting in that way, right? It allows us to avoid the things that we're ashamed of. The problem is, is that if we avoid them, there's a high probability that they'll never change. It's embarrassing work, but the light is the one place where our brokenness can be identified and brought before God so that we can find forgiveness and healing. A place where we can admit before God and self and others that that who we've been is not who we want to be. A place where we should be able to find hope for tomorrow without judgment. A place where we can formulate a battle plan against our sin and failure. A a place where we can allow the grace of God to change our opinion of the light because it's a place where we discover that it is perfect love that casts out fear. Not afraid of being punished because of our mistakes but knowing the comfort of Jesus in that light because the light is equalizing. It's a place where we're all exposed. We all stand on equal ground because even though we're all forced to face the truth of our shortcomings, we're also overwhelmed by the mercy, grace, and love of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. 
The question is, what does that look like? How, how do you step into the light? The easy answer is this. It requires honesty. It requires vulnerability. And it requires confession. But I want to focus on something this morning that, that maybe we don't always think about, and that is our position. How we are and where we are mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually, and how that can hinder the light's ability to reach into our darkness. Mental darkness that, that can trap us in negative or toxic thinking. Physical darkness that, that can be present in the people and places that, that imprison us to bad habits. Emotional darkness that hardens our heart and makes us skeptical. Spiritual darkness that, that twists the truth on us and, and, and fills our lives with temptation. These are the things that we desperately need God's light to reveal to us. But God isn't shining his light at you like a flashlight. Instead, he is calling us like he called Lazarus out of the darkness to literally get up and walk away from the darkness and into his marvelous light. And this is the good news today is that if a dead man could do that, we can too. This means walking away from something. And it means walking closer to something. There's a tough lesson that, that I taught almost every year as a youth pastor, and that is that a good friend can be a bad influence. I spent so much time as a student with my youth pastors telling me that a bad influence is a bad friend, and that's not always true. Sometimes it can be the best friends that are bad influences. I had a, I had a friend named Tim, and he was my best friend in elementary school. He's one of the best friends that I ever had. He was loyal. He was kind. He was funny. He cared about me. He stood up for me. But guess what? He was a bad influence. And how many of us, we, we have things in our lives that are just like that. People and habits and routines and environments that aren't necessarily evil, but they keep pulling us back into the darkness. Sometimes we aren't experiencing change because we're too comfortable with where we are. Change requires us to walk away from what we know and to trust God into where we're going. So we need to ask ourselves, is there some things in our life that, that we need to walk away from? And maybe some ways in which we need to walk and get closer to God. I want to read 1 John 1, 5 through 9. This is the message that we have heard from him to, and proclaimed to you, that God is light and there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from sin. And if we say that we do not have sin, that we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jesus is the light. So if we want to change, we have to be willing to, to, to answer his call, to step out of the, the tomb of our death, out of our darkness, into his marvelous light, so that his love, his blood can cleanse us from our unrighteousness and show us how listening and obeying his voice changes everything for us for our own good. If we want to experience change, there's, sometimes we just got to do something different 
We've got to be willing to step into the light. Next piece is this. We've got to find courage from our failure. Find courage from your failure. There's a new research that shows that 62% of our young people are leaving the faith before the age of 18. Sad. When those 62% were asked why they were leaving the church, this is what they answered. That they had experienced the church as being irrelevant, unloving, and inauthentic. Not that God was any of those things, but that's what they were experiencing through religious people. They know Jesus. They know the story, but they're not seeing it lived out. People who who claim to follow Jesus, people who take his name in vain by saying, I follow Jesus, but then they look nothing like him. Guys, I came to say here today, wake up. That's you. That's me. We all carry the propensity for hypocrisy, but it's not our hypocrisy that's pushing our kids away. It's our dishonesty. It's our inability to own and apologize for our hypocrisy. And truthfully, it's the lack of transformation. You know, this is so silly. (laughs) But when you become a parent, you think about stuff that you didn't think you'd ever think about. And when it came to to Santa Claus and uh, the Easter bunny and the tooth fairy— I just, I got this deep fear and anxiety because I thought, you know what, if I tell my kids that all these people are real and then they grow up and find something different, why in the world would they believe me when I tell them that Jesus is real? Now, whatever you do is fine because the truth is this. It's probably an irrational fear and this is why. Because what they see in me will be far more influential to their faith in the 18 plus years that they live with me, are they going to see God transforming me? I had to ask myself a hard question this week. Are my children seeing the work of God in my life? Is the next generation seeing the evidence of God and the way that we speak and act and interact with one another and the world? Are they ever seeing us on our knees? Do they ever see us reading God's word? Do they see us serving the least of these? Do they see us being loving to people who are mean to us? Guys, the truth is we all sin and we all fall short of God's glory. Get over it. God's God's grace is big enough for you. And yes, hypocrisy can harm the kingdom, but, but we've got to understand the whole point of this is that hypocrisy can also strengthen the kingdom of God. Through humility, our hypocrisy can become our testimony. Change that is witnessed in us can speak to the reality and relevance of God. There's a story in scripture of a guy who's demon-possessed, and he encounters Jesus, and and. It changes his life forever. But before he encounters Jesus, he is doing some crazy stuff. There's like this sea, and then by the sea is this huge graveyard slash, uh, uh, you know, people where they're burying uh, tombstones and all this whatnot. And this dude, this is where he hangs out. And most of the time, this guy's naked. And he's running around screaming at people punching people, being crazy. And then Jesus meets him. And Jesus calls the legion of demons out of him. 
and changes his life forever. And I want to read this interaction. This is, this is Mark 5, 18 and 20. Jesus has healed him. He's about to leave. And as he was getting in the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed, he said, Jesus, please let me go with you. And Jesus says, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you. Tell them how merciful he has been. And so the man started off to visit the 10 towns of that region, and he proclaimed the great things that Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. See, in my mind, I imagine that screaming at people and dancing naked at a funeral would probably ruin my credibility as a pastor. But for this man, it only enhanced his testimony. Jesus used him to spread the gospel to 10 cities. 10 cities that he didn't send anybody else out to because he trusted him. In fact, he, he let his past become his courage. He said, hey, look at me. I got clothes on today. (laughs) Let me tell you how Jesus has changed my life. Let me show you what he's done for me. Let me tell you about the one who changed everything for me. See, Satan does a good job of trying to discourage and defraud us. But doesn't that communicate the opposite? That in some way Satan fears our testimony? If he wasn't worried about our impact, then why would he come after us? Because he knows that God's work in and through us can be a great encouragement to other people. But let's pause for a second. That doesn't mean that our sin doesn't matter. Because living in the light establishes and demands accountability. But this is a reminder that no one is ever disqualified because of their past. Don't let sin and failure convince you that who you've been is who you're destined to be. Instead, use those missteps as ways to learn and grow and to keep seeking Jesus. Knowing that God will will weave your failure into the tapestry of your salvation story. And then turn your failure against Satan and use it as motivation to be different. How might our lives change if we can quit focusing on everything that disqualifies us and focus on what it looks like to love people that we encounter every day, to love the people today who we failed to love yesterday. This is the last piece. Let the Holy Spirit fill the gaps. Let the Holy Spirit fill the gaps. There's a story in the Gospels of a man who we titled the rich young ruler. This is a guy who came to Jesus and said, Teacher, tell me what I lack. Tell me what I need in order to get to heaven. And Jesus says, Listen, you followed the the commandments, right? He says, Yeah. He says, But you still lack one thing. He looked at him in love and said, Listen, all you got to do is sell all your possessions. And follow me, and you'll have everything you need to enter heaven. And he walks away. And a little bit after that, there's this conversation that Jesus has with the disciples. And Jesus says, listen, it's, it is hard for a rich man to enter heaven. And this is what the disciples kind of say. That they're more amazed, and they say to each other, if, if, if he can't go to heaven... A guy who's wealthy and has, and has obeyed the commandments, who can go to heaven? Who can be saved? 
And Jesus looks at them and says, with man, it is impossible, but not with God. With God, all things are possible. See, at first glance, it would appear that that Jesus gave this young ruler some requirements for eternal life. Almost as if he hadn't done enough. But the truth is, he passed on the only way. It wasn't about giving his possessions away. It was about having enough faith to trust Jesus. It wasn't about laying down his influence. It was about the humility to follow Jesus. Jesus wasn't being harsh with the rich young ruler. He was just repeating a truth that we already know, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And there is no other way to the Father except through him. In that manner, salvation without a relationship with Jesus is impossible. Listen, change is no different. Not only do we, we fight against forces that we don't fully understand, but, but so far as we know, Jesus is the only one to overcome sin, death, and the appetite of the flesh. He's the only one to overcome the powers, rulers, and principalities of this world. So with man, it's impossible. But with Jesus... Change is possible. There are situations, there are trauma, addiction, pain, frustration that that we simply cannot triumph over. And that's where we need the Spirit of God to enter us and, and fill those gaps where we fall short. Guys, it's true, a leopard cannot change its spots, but the one who created the leopard can. We need to understand that that burden doesn't rest solely on us. Have you ever walked into your house and you were just like, oh, oh, this place is nasty. This place is messy. We got got stuff everywhere. How did this happen? How is this even possible? Why is there a banana peel on the piano? Why are there socks in the freezer? Yes, both of those things have happened in my house. So you make time, you're like, listen, we, we just, we just got to start cleaning. Man, is, is there not a better feeling than when you're cleaning and doing something and then your, your whole family decides to help you out? Like when you're not working by yourself, that, that, that burden is just, it doesn't seem as heavy. This is the role that the Holy Spirit plays in our life. It helps us carry those burdens that we cannot carry alone. Jesus came to show us the way. But then he returned to the Father and he sent to us an advocate, a helper that that would walk by our side, a helper that would guide us, a helper that would make us feel less alone. He sent the Holy Spirit literally to be the strength where we are weak. I want to read to you 2 Corinthians 12, 7 and 9. Paul writes, A thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest on me. Here Paul is begging God, please take this away from me. And God says, no. Instead, this is what God says. He says, my grace is enough. I can fill the gaps where you fall short. 
And, and maybe in my mind, it, it makes more sense for God to help us become more competent. But I think the danger of, of becoming conceited and forgetting God's involvement in that is too high. Plus, I think that we undersell just how valuable our relationship is to God. And that it brings him great joy to get to be with us, to work with us, to collaborate with us. Listen, I love building Legos with Malin. Not because I need her help. In fact, you could argue that it's more difficult. But I like doing it because it's something that we get to do together. It's time that we get to spend together. Sometimes I think that's what God wants. You know, when we were in the Garden of Eden, we were made for fellowship with God. And all that changed when we got sent out here. We got sent out into the world. There's, there's a piece of us that's, that's missing, and we can try to fill that with whatever we want to, but the truth is there's only one person that, that that puzzle piece fits for, and it's the Son of God. It's that relationship with Him. And so you're like, wait, 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 what, what does this mean, Pastor? I just think it means that we need to be honest. We need to know ourselves. And where we fall short, give it to God. Like, what would it look like for us to invite God into our weakness? To have enough self-awareness to know where we fall short and say, God, I need your help here. To seek his face in the moments it's hard to breathe. To call on God in those areas that you're weak. When, when you sense yourself getting angry, I don't know, put some headphones on and listen to worship. When you're frustrated with your spouse, just start praying for them. When your heart is broken, start listing all the things that you're thankful for. When you're confused and, and you don't know what to do, open your Bible. When you're stressed, and so, find somebody that's in need and try to bless them. When you're feeling alone, go to church. Surround yourself with, with people that will encourage and love you. Surround yourself with people that are going to pray for you. Surround yourself with people that are not going to judge you for where you are, but are going to see you for where you are and want to lift you up in prayer because they love you and care about your life. Guys, change is possible, but it's not innate in us. It requires for us to walk out of that darkness. It requires for us to want to change. <laughs> it requires for us to lean into somebody who can do something about the things that we, can, we can't control. And I hope today you understand that whatever it is you face, regardless of how impossible it looks, you need to understand that with God, everything is possible.